In a secret basement bunker, part of Ukraine's 47th mechanized brigade is desperately trying to find out how to punch through Russian lines. There are a lot of Russians. There are a lot of Russians. Uh, in here and overall. Uh, they have more guns, uh, they have more shells, uh, and they have more people. CNN was given an exclusive look at this battalion command post at the very front of Ukraine's counteroffensive in the south, filled with maps and feeds from drones. How do you think the fight is going in your section? It's tough. It's tough. These little white dots, some of the countless anti-tank and anti-personnel mines that the Russians have laid that are part of what is making Ukraine's advance so limited. Demining teams, called sappers, bravely cross the densely mined battlefield, often under fire, to defuse or detonate the Russian mines. Troll is a sapper who just got back from a mission. We need to break through the mine barriers, he says, so that equipment and infantry can pass. The enemy uses constant artillery and mortar fire. It's hard, he says, very hard. Everyone here, soldiers and generals alike, admit that over a month into Ukraine's counteroffensive, progress is slower than they would like. The Bradley team leader, named Koch, is just 19. He shows us inside, which is also used to carry troops across the battlefield. Why do you wear the American flag? Koch is just four months out from American training in Germany. His U.S. flag patch, a parting gift for good luck from his U.S. trainer. That Ukraine has had to change tactics, moving more on foot after many of the newly acquired vehicles were damaged or destroyed. Welcome to more War Mondays on the Rob Manus Show here on the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth and don't shove government propaganda down your throats. You get to make your own call. Well, the stalled counteroffensive in Ukraine drags on, people. Russia continues to outperform Ukraine in the so-called counteroffensive. Losses of Western equipment, such as armored vehicles and tanks, like you just saw there, are numbering over 100 now, ruling out any ideas of the so-called maneuver warfare like U.S., quote, experts have been saying was going to happen, even if belatedly. President Biden has publicly admitted that artillery ammunition is very low in Ukraine proper, and even the USA is so low on conventional 155 millimeter artillery shells that now we're sending cluster munition rounds in spite of the fact that he said it would be a war crime if Russia used them. Ukraine did successfully damage the bridge uh, to Crimea, but Russia has responded with heavy, heavy nightly bombardment of the Odessa Black Sea port system and has completely withdrawn from the grain agreement for the Black Sea, even going so far as to say that any vessel heading to Ukraine ports is considered a military target in the Black Sea, and Ukraine has responded with the same threat to ships going to Russian ports. Our children and grandchildren continue to be sleepwalked into World War III by the feckless leadership of Joe Biden and NATO for not one valid reason. Well, our guest today is uh, retired U.S. Navy Commander uh, Randy Arrington, who's also a doctor, Ph.D. type of politics, political science. Uh, Commander Arrington, well, even CNN is starting to show the truth now. Uh, I don't think they have a choice. I mean, uh, you know, ever since Tucker Carlson got fired, I think that corporate media was 100 percent behind this war, united behind Biden. You know, that's not healthy for anybody. You got to have the media that are watchdogs. Unfortunately for us right now, they're not. With the Democrats in power, they just, you know, block everything that's the truth to try to, you know, propagandize the people. But I think now they're starting to crack. And, and you know, even though the Biden administration you know, moves the goalposts uh, consistently, the people in the media, the corporate media, say, no, we got to start telling the truth because I think they're getting ready to dump Biden as their nominee. So you're just going to start getting more truth. Uh, like we get here, you uh, give the truth. Uh, here on Red no uh, Voice Media, and I love it. I love being a, a guest here because there's no safe spaces, and I know that the truth will be told. 
Well, sometimes it's really hard to figure out the truth uh, uh, in this mess in particular because uh, uh, our corporate media in the West is lying their butts off. Uh, the Russians and Ukrainians are obviously in a war, so everything they put out is propaganda. I mean, everything. Even if, even if you see a video where something actually happens, you can't draw the context around it. You can get the geographic location of it if the metadata is there. Uh, and I try to wait for that stuff. But uh, for instance, just before we came on, I read a tweet from Axios, uh, which is a U.S. corporate media outlet now, that says, Blinken says we've taken, that the Ukrainians have taken 50% of the land that the Russians had occupied. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Uh, now, I don't normally talk about something like th in this subject uh, just before it comes on, but uh, but it's so absurd sometimes that you just have to walk away and laugh and scratch your head and go, what the hell are you people thinking? Because I'm not kidding. Randy, we're, our kids and grandkids are being sleepwalked into World War III the president of the United States, since the last time we talked about this war, has uh, has activated over 3,000 reservists to go uh, deploy to Europe in support of the operation that's supporting NATO and uh, and the Ukrainians logistically and through intelligence and those kind of things over there. Uh, and uh, uh, it's dicey. It's really dicey. I mean, the Russians, since the last time we talked, also declared that the F-16s, the NATO F-16s, that are uh, purported to be going to Ukraine, well, NATO's F-16s are nuclear capable. So Russia's going to see those as introduction of nuclear capability by NATO into the Ukraine. Uh, look, I'm, I'm all for being strong and everything, but that's before deterrence fails. Deterrence failed because we in the West weren't really, I'll say it again one more time, uh, we were not really trying to deter Vladimir Putin from doing what he did in February 2022. Now, where are we? No, we instigated it uh, with the threat of uh, NATO, including Ukraine, into their ranks. That leads to World War III. And it puts those NATO countries right on the doorstep of Moscow, 400 miles away. You know, the Biden administration, I believe, knows that this proxy war cannot be won. And yet they seem to not care that Ukrainian soldiers go out, fight, and die. Uh, the lies coming out of the Biden White House are enormous. And sadly, despite the debunked Russia hoax and all, this other, all these other lies that are coming to fruition, to the American people that are you know, paying attention, uh, they continue to believe almost anything that comes out of television. I call those people useful idiots. You know, in my humble opinion, Ukraine is in ruins. Its uh, latest counteroffensive achieved nothing. In the last three or four weeks, about an estimated 26 to 7,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died uh, in this pointless attack on world-class Russian defenses. They're what they call defenses in depth. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's really really painful to watch this because it, it appears as though Biden and uh, the Republican and Democrat elected representatives and, and senators are willing to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian young guy, young kid, you know, because they have women in their armed forces too in combat. Uh, so uh, I mean, that's just that is. Uh, really despicable uh, in, in that way, especially when you know that they have uh, they have uh, denied Ukraine from even entering into talks at least twice that we know of. So that means that there's more opportunities that they've missed uh, where Russia has opened the door uh, several times for Ukraine to sit down and talk and end the fighting and end the killing, as Donald Trump says uh, quite often. Do you uh, uh, do you foresee that there is uh, going to be a problem in the Black Sea? I mean, we're looking at uh, you know uh, the response to the attack on the bridge, and we'll talk more about this later in the show with uh, with some video has been uh, for Russia to, uh, uh, as I said in my opening, completely attempt to wipe out the Odessa Ukraine port system. Uh, and uh, NATO country Romania is right there. The border is the river. Uh, 
uh, you know, I mean, last night you saw uh, the, the, what is reported to be, now it hasn't been confirmed yet, uh, Russian missile attack uh, facility just 300 meters from the border with Romania, you know, using, using the great Iranian Shahed uh, <laughs> missiles uh, that they buy for what, 30,000 bucks a copy maybe? I don't know. Uh, they must have a lot of confidence in those guys. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, this escalation, you know, there's basically a blockade now uh, because Russia has declared any ships that are headed to a Ukrainian port are essentially considered military targets. Uh, and uh, so all shipping is is turning around from a line that extends west, uh, due west out of the southern, south of Crimea, uh, and, and then over to Russian international, uh, or Russian national waters uh, system uh, to the east of Crimea. You know, so when you look at the shipping charts that everybody can watch nowadays, if you pull it up, you can see it's just a big blue spot now around Odessa. Uh, so they their their blockade is being pretty effective, but uh, can you see uh, a wider escalation of this? I mean, I'm hearing rumors that uh, Zelensky's asking NATO to escort ships coming into his ports. Well, here's the deal about Odessa. Whoever controls Odessa controls the Black Sea. That's always been the fact, and that's a problem. So we need to def they need to defend Odessa and uh, you know make sure that Ukraine remains the dominant force there. I don't think they'll be able to do that. And as far as the weaponization of food, I think this is about uh, wheat uh, exports. That's what Russia has done. They weaponize food that affects the entire world. Now, there is something that happened in 1936 called the Montreux Convention that said, okay, things that go through the Strait of Dardanelles and Bosporus, which is there in uh, Turkey, Turkey has the right to control that. So what's going to happen is these ships leaving Ukraine or Russia that want to you know, go out and give the world wheat can go through Turkey, and that leads them from the Black Sea, those two straits, into the Mediterranean Sea. So they can still do that. But, you know, you talked about uh, not being able to come to any kind of accord. They Earlier this month, NATO had this conference in Vilnius, Lithuania, where they talked about what's going on, and it was clear from what happen at that meeting, there's going to be no diplomatic resolution of this uh, war anytime soon. I think NATO and the United States want this war to go on indefinitely. The dominant political culture in Washington, D.C., in the swamp, is all built around whatever the military-industrial complex wants. And again, we've talked about this on your show before. Uh, President Eisenhower warned us about this dangerous dynamic of kowtowing to the military-industrial complex. And that's what's happening right now. So yeah. uh, they're going to go on further and further, and I think it's actually leading to World War III because of these cluster munitions that are supposed to be illegal. I used to drop those in the Navy, and they sell it, we call them rock eyes, and they're very yeah. effective. But the problem is they can kill uh, many, many civilians, and I've said this before, no war is ever concluded without killing many civilians of your enemy. And that's, I, that might be hard to hear, but that's the truth. Oh, especially in, in this type of warfare, Doc, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to show uh, a little show clip 1A there, Disco, real quick before we go to the ad read. And uh, on the backside of the break here after this, after this ad read and uh, this clip in the ad read, Doc, we'll talk uh, about that and uh, introduce somebody else, uh, Colonel Douglas A. McGregor, former advisor, Pentagon advisor to the President of the United States. Go ahead. Clip 1A. Why then hasn't it been this success that it was perceived to be? Remember, we've been talking about it for so long, haven't we? Well, we're in the seventh week of it now. Um, yeah, we fully expect it to be a much more uh, decisive. It's worth remembering President Zelensky desperately needed the support of the West in order to mount this spring offensive, and he almost certainly created a false air of expectation about what could be achieved, and now his challenge is how to deliver. These Western weapons, of course, are absolutely vital to the success. They didn't necessarily all arrive in time, and those that did arrive, things like tanks, you've got to do a fair bit of training 
training on, all of which delayed the start of the offensive beyond when almost certainly he would have wanted. And of course, that time has brought Russia time to establish pretty formidable defences, layered defences when in place. Now, President Zelensky can tackle those with his infantry. The challenge is those infantry would be decimated on the battlefields, would be incredibly costly. So in the meantime, what President Zelensky has been doing with is to use his artillery to grind down the rear areas, the logistics support, ammunition dumps and the Russian uh, personnel. But bluntly, the 155 ammunition has running out mm -hmm. and the West uh, is struggling to supply it. The defence industrial base is spinning up, but that shortcoming is making life difficult. Attention, my fellow Americans. Breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is being implemented already. Don't be fooled. It's not going to benefit you or me. Act now before it's too late. The Federal Reserve's phase deployment of FedNow has already started. Last July 1st, this past July 1st, brace yourselves because you're going to be caught off guard like many others have. Your hard-earned assets are at risk, but there's a way to legally opt out of the digital dollar in time with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. And that's contact my friends over at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar and volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2USA-GOLD. That's right, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take to immediately transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using his new digital dollar. Call 833-2USA-GOLD right now. Yeah, call now, 833-287-2465. That's 833-287-2465. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833 287-2465. Act swiftly. 833-287-2465. Because we made assumptions about Russia that were just completely wrong, as, uh, just like the rest of the world. Number one, Russia is a backward economy that will collapse quickly if we sanction it. In other words, that they're, they're not a true nation state in the Western sense. They don't have a developed economy. They can't survive. Yeah, we regarded it as some sort of mega island. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a real scientific industrial base. Now suddenly we see all of these factories uh, in Russia running 24 hours a day, seven days a week, producing ammunition, weapons, missiles, all these things we said they were going to run out of very, very quickly and couldn't replenish. We said that no one would support Russia, that Russia would be isolated. Well, in fact, I, I would argue that most of the world actually backs Russia against us, that we and the Europeans are increasingly on, on an island all by ourselves. But the bottom line is that I think uh, Putin miscalculated up front. There was no goodwill. He thought there was. And now he knows it. So what are you going to do about it, Mr. Putin? And I think the Russians are all standing around saying, OK, we like you. You've done a great job. Uh, you know, the army is ready. It's up and running. It's now large enough and strong enough to do what needs to be done. Mr. Putin, what are you going to do? 
Welcome back to More War Mondays on the Rob Manus Show here on the Red Voice uh, Media Network. And here at RVM, uh, we bring you the facts and the truth. We don't try to force government propaganda from any side down your throat. And you make up your mind on what's uh, really happening. And that uh, we're doing an update on the Ukraine-Russia war uh, right now uh, with uh, retired Navy Commander Dr. Randy Arrington, a friend of the show. And, uh, you know, just before the break, Doc, uh, I wanted to show that Sky News clip for two reasons. One, that, uh, uh, that that's the U.K. Now, they're big cheerleaders of this war. Uh, and for them to put a spot on like that uh, is another indicator, like CNN, that, uh, that they, they're figuring it out that, uh, that the lies just aren't holding up, you know. Uh, and the other thing in that clip is pretty standard, and people should—, should see this stuff, you need to watch it even though you don't like watching or uh, uh, networks like CNN and even Fox News now. You need to watch it to see what the liars are saying. Uh, and one of the things you see there is a good example of is the excuses that the expert makes for the slow beginning of the counteroffensive. You know, we didn't get weapons there in time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that continues. I mean, this is going on, I think it's eight weeks now. Uh, since the start of this counteroffensive that was intended to be by the 1st of July, break through to the Sea of Asov, cut off the land bridge uh, to Crimea, uh, uh, and, and do this maneuver warfare uh, that we Americans uh, love so much uh, that uh, is not coming to fruition. Uh, and then uh, Doug McGregor there, you know, a lot of people hate him. Uh, on the neocon side, uh, but he's an arbiter of what he, you know, what he he brings out the facts, but he also has opinions, uh, the, and it's what he thinks is the truth. Now he's been wrong too. Hey, we've all been wrong. I didn't think Putin would actually invade Ukraine. I honestly didn't didn't do it, and, and, uh, and I admit I was wrong on that. Uh, and I don't support that war or war effort, but. Uh, uh, but uh, McGregor is, is talking about, well, you know, they're holding their ground that they really wanted in the first place, which is that Russian-speaking area, including Crimea in the, in the east uh, part of Ukraine. The army now is built back up uh, from their initial losses, whether it was uh, uh, due ineptness at the beginning of this and not realizing they really didn't have have the— capability to do an American-style shock and awe, uh, invade the country and take it down really fast, uh, and all those losses. Uh, uh, they've built some very good defenses uh, that the Ukrainians ha have not even reached, that, that I'm aware of, uh, the main line of the defenses that the Russian Federation Armed Forces have built uh, in the Donbass region. Uh, so the counteroffensive, I mean, I mean, I read a quote from one troop that said, for every 100 meters, it's costing four to five Ukrainian soldiers' lives uh, gained. So that should tell you something right there about how badly uh, it's going, because uh, uh, the soldier went on to, and I'm paraphrasing now, say that people are terrified uh, to go out into the battle because uh, the chances of being killed or, or maimed are so high uh, in this offensive. You know, so it, it's uh, uh, it's interesting and troubling at the same time when I have to bring this up every segment that uh, Ukrainian kids are dying and our kids are being marched in a slow sleepwalk to World War III if things don't change really soon. You know, we talked earlier about this uh, defense in depth, and I think the Russians have a world-class military. And if you look at history, it's almost like the Russians have to almost lose the conflict, lose the war before they win the war. They're very resilient people. And you look at them in World War II, they were a big reason why we defeated the uh, people in, in World War II, Japan and not Japan, but Germany. You know, and again, the last couple of weeks, three weeks, 26,000 Ukrainians or so have died uh, against that world-class defense. And this thing called defense in depth is where they have uh, defenses, they call it a security zone, about 15 or 20 miles out in front of the main forces and the main forces consist of about three or four defensive belts that are another uh, millimeter of kilometers in depth. By comparison, 
to those 26,000 Ukrainians, Russian losses are minimal. And so, I, you know, when the Ukrainians launched their big so-called counteroffensive uh, six or eight weeks ago, Western military officials, Colonel, knew that Kiev didn't have all the training or weapons, and you mentioned earlier, shells, uh, shells to warplanes. They knew they didn't have what they needed to defeat or dislodge the Russian defense forces. But they hoped uh, against hope that Ukrainian courage and uh, resourcefulness would carry them through the day. They have not. You, got, you talked earlier about these uh, these deep and deadly minefields. They've got extensive fortifications. And what else have they got? They've got Russian air power, which is dominant in the region, that's all combined to block significant, significant advances by the Ukrainian troops. And I think the best that the Ukrainians can hope for is some sort of a stalemate. That's the best thing. But I think it's going to be potentially they're going to lose this and you're going to have a major shift in the war fighting momentum. And then I think it's already taking place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the military strategist in me says, well, maybe the Ukrainians are just stalling for time for some reason. But, you know, you mentioned the Vilnius conference earlier, uh, and they couldn't even get a boat to say, uh, to say that they would stay on the fast track to NATO membership. Uh, as a matter of fact, NATO explicitly said there won't be any NATO membership for Ukraine as long as there's a war going on, essentially. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's the right thing to do. Uh, but the other right thing to do is, uh, and just remember, everybody, uh, the NATO entry for Ukraine was the red line, I believe, that that triggered uh, Mr. Putin's invasion of this, where he said, uh, we can't do this anymore, combined with some other things like killing of civilians in the Donbass region. Uh, because remember, there was a war going on between Ukraine and the Russian-speaking separatists uh, that had already declared, two of those areas had already declared their independence and been recognized uh, by Russia. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's just... It's just very interesting that uh, maybe they think they're stalling for time, but like you said, it's it doesn't make any sense. I mean, and they're so, uh, I mean, they're just out, they're outgunned and outmanned. I don't know if you caught it or not, but the Bradley team leader was 19 years old, 19 years old. Now I was a sergeant at 19, and I was an EOD team uh, leader when I was a sergeant at, at 19. So, uh, but. But, uh, you know, a Bradley fighting vehicle team leader uh, in uh, major combat like this, uh, 19 years old, four months out of training, you know, as a sergeant in EOD at bomb disposal, I already had three years of experience, you know, beyond technical training uh, and those kind of things. I mean, this, these kids, I mean, they're just, they're outmanned, outgunned. Uh, and you mentioned the defense in depth. That applies to not just the defenses they built, but, you know, they have about 2 million military members in the Russian Armed Forces, if I remember correctly. Uh, they have about 300,000 of them uh, activated uh, fully uh, that are being used uh, on the ground and to do air support, air attacks, uh, and those kind of things, uh, and, the, and, then, and then the Black Sea Fleet. Uh, uh, but but they have another 400,000 that have already been mobilized. That's what they've been doing all this time, that they were building defenses and all that to stall this out. So I, I, I just don't see it happening uh, without uh, a wider war from Europe, quite honestly. I just don't see it happening. Well, actually, my first tell is Zelensky is facing uh, mass desertions and disobedience from his armed forces. And his leadership is now seriously being called into question. Uh, Ukrainian officers uh, are now shooting soldiers who refuse to go into battle. And there are, my sources say, a huge number of deserters uh, who surrender in whole platoons. Um, NATO, I think NATO, this is my opinion, I think NATO and uh, the Democrats in the United States are desperate for war because war will allow them more control over our nation and uh, other member nations. Uh, and allow them to destroy people and freedom everywhere. Imagine that, Colonel. We are now the bad guys in the world. How did that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happened. The leftists, the Democrats, destroy everything mm -hmm. they control. Everything they control, they destroy. Yeah, I saw a spot from Colonel McGregor. I don't know if I've got that part as part of the future clip in the show uh, that uh, 
where he says openly that the United States and NATO are seen by the majority of the people in the world as the aggressors in this, uh, because folks see the truth going all the way back to 2010. Uh, 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 in the color revolution, which led to eventually the, the 2014 invasion of Crimea uh, and take, retaking of Crimea by Russia. Uh, and, then, uh, and then these, these uh, uh, you know, guarantees of fast-track NATO membership qualification and NATO membership openly for NATO. I mean, it was, I mean the, the, the Russians have said it for decades that that's a red line. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, we're going to take another break here in a second, uh, Doc. Uh, but uh, when we come back, when we come back, we'll hear from Putin himself uh, because he's got some things to say about the uh, counteroffensive. Now, remember, he's one of the combatants, so most of his stuff's going to be propaganda. But there are usually facts in his speeches when he talks to the media and those kind of things. Uh, so you need to be watching for those and stay away from any characterizations of, of what's really happening. But uh, it's only fair uh, that we put him on the air. I'm Rob Manus. It's More War Mondays, and we'll be right back on the Red Voice Media Network. операции действуют профессионально. Наши солдаты и офицеры части и соединения выполняют свой долг перед Родиной мужественно, стойко, героически. При этом весь мир видит, что хваленая западная якобы неуязвимая техника горит. А по своим тактико-техническим данным она часто даже уступает некоторым образцам вооружения еще советского производства. Да, конечно, западное вооружение можно еще дополнительно поставить и бросить в бой. Это, конечно, наносит нам определенный ущерб и затягивает конфликт. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show, live on Red Voice Media Network, and it's more War Mondays. That was President Vladimir Putin uh, with his thoughts on uh, the uh, Russian counteroffensive and specifically the lauded Western military hardware. We're talking today with uh, uh, retired U.S. Navy commander and Dr. Randy Arrington. Uh, well, Doc, uh, uh, he, uh, he, I think the biggest slam there from a, from my perspective as a kid who fought the Cold War II, just like you, and whose dad spent his entire 23 years in the Cold War, is that uh, our modern 21st century weaponry is not even as good in some cases as the Soviet-made weaponry. Did you pick up on that? That he I said did. That? I, I read from you today. I was so sad to read it. We sent them a bunch of uh, tanks. I can't remember if it was Bradley's or whatever, like 20 of them. And like the first day, nine, uh, nine of them were destroyed. Just yeah. the first day. So, they, you know, you got to have training. You got to learn how to do it. Yeah, I mean the Germans have sent them their leopards, uh, and, and they're not just—they're not just the standard leopard tank either. I mean, I think some of them are the advanced uh, models, and uh, uh, I don't think a day goes by where uh, or some video clip of a of a kamikaze drone, uh, anti-tank drone, is popping one of those and and uh, and killing it basically, you know. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, the latest numbers that it was uh, that I saw earlier in the, uh, late last week was uh, over a hundred Western military uh, fighting vehicles is the way it was characterized in the source that I read. 
uh, and, uh, and of course, you have to take it with a grain of salt because both sides are putting numbers out that are false, and then right. we put our own numbers out that we know now are false because you, because of the leak from the young airmen in the Air National Guard in uh, New Jersey uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Have you noticed? I wanted to ask you about this because uh, you know while the Russians have uh, have just been uh, done, they're doing a strategic air attack on the Odessa port system and, and knocking it out. Uh, uh, and yeah, it is an attack on the food system, but it's also attack on the logistics system feeding them. With, uh, you know, besides food uh, going out, arms and ammunition. And by the way, there's a 25 percent surplus in food production worldwide uh, right now. Uh, so uh, uh, I'm just careful about characterizing it as uh, it's going to create a food shortage throughout the world uh, by shutting down the Ukrainians being able to get their grain out. Uh, uh, now, it may hurt specific countries that, that rely on that a lot, like in Africa and those kind of areas, but, uh, uh, but worldwide, I don't think it's going to be that much of an impact. It's, it's going to hurt them a lot more. But economically, you know, their other trade, it's, it's uh, really devastating them. But the Ukrainians' uh, air defense system is responding. Now, you can't rely on the numbers they put out as to what they shot down, but you can always rely on them for when one of their missiles hits a non-military target. And in this instance, the uh, 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 Orthodox uh, Church, uh, the main one in Odessa, was damaged. Uh, initially, it was reported that the Russians have attacked the Russian. It's the it's the it's the Russian Orthodox Church that Russia rebuilt after the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh, by the way, and, uh, and I know that because I saw a video clip of Ukrainian women attacking verbally attacking the old Russian ladies that were helping clean up that church that came out today. Uh, uh, there are Ukrainian, young Ukrainian women yelling at these old Russian ladies that are helping clean up the church and, and refurbish, you know, do the refurbishment of it. Uh, that tells you how divided uh, Ukraine really is uh, in that. But uh, come to find out, it's the Ukrainian air defense system that, fe you know, missile that fell onto that church and caused the damage. Uh, it, uh, it got me to thinking that. If you go back and uh, look at the Telegram and Twitter feeds uh, coming out of the Ukrainian government, especially the armed forces, that, uh, that shows videos of damage on targets that Russia has done, do you ever see them admit, uh, like Russia did today in Moscow and FSB, that's uh, the Foreign Security Services, the, the, you know, the, 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 the successor of the KGB type, and GRU type uh, intelligence apparatus there uh, was hit. They admitted it, but you never see that in Ukraine. It's always well, the Russians attacked another residential building. They killed, uh, you know, one grandma and uh, two grandchildren and those kind of things. Uh, and uh, it's just more of the same. You can't even acknowledge the truth. You know that your missile fell on this orthodox on the main Orthodox church. And sign up to, hey, we will help rebuild it and refurbish it. <clears throat> it's just despicable. War, war is a despicable activity anyway, but to see people are behaving that way, uh, just because they want to be, you know, right uh, and, and have their image not tarnished is incredible. When you see the Russian government, they admit it. FSB building, yep, you got a target. You, you know, it got hit. I don't know if that was their target or not, uh, but... Uh, your thoughts on that? You know, I would advise the audience, we've done this before in the show, advise them to be very suspicious of anything that comes out of both sides. But the side that is losing will do more, uh, engage in more propaganda than the side is winning because they want to keep their people behind the war effort. If you lose the people behind your war effort, you're done. And that's what happened in the United States and Vietnam. We were winning that war handily, and uh, the, but the people started to say, no, we don't believe that, you're lying to us, uh, we don't want to fight this war anymore, bring us home, and we, we did that, and we had the war won uh, another week or two, and we had won it. We didn't do the things we needed to do in that war to win, and right now we're not doing the things that we need to do. Uh, it, we need to be investing in the United States of America, not fighting this stupid, nonsensical war. It's irrelevant to our national security interests, 
uh, in Ukraine. I think it's crazy, and we need to stop doing it. But the Democrats will not do that. And there's Republicans on the same uh, mindset because of that military-industrial complex and the money that it generates for their re-election campaigns, Colonel. Yeah, it's uh, uh, you, you hit a good point there. The, the losing side generally puts the most propaganda lies out, and uh, uh, you know President Putin. I've se I've seen him, I've been observing him. You can tell when he's stressed and he's not happy with the message uh, that he's sending. You can tell that when he's more comfortable, and usually that's when he's talking about facts. You know the facts uh, of the case, and uh, and that little clip there. Uh, he was very relaxed. Uh, I think he thinks uh, and believes that they have the situation well in hand and under control, that the momentum the momentum is with them, uh, and uh, that, uh, uh, that they're going to achieve the strategic goals that they have left. Uh, now, nobody knows what the exact strategic goals were at the very beginning of this because they've changed <clears throat> over time due to you know, losses on the Russian side, uh, inability to do, you know, take Kiev, uh, if that's what their intent was. Uh, we don't even know if that's what their intent was. But, uh, uh, but he definitely uh, seemed different in that recent response there. Uh, and, uh, and he just called, that, called the balls and strikes, you know, hey, this is what it is. The Americans and the Western <laughs> vaunted equipment is is being splattered all over the ground, even even bested by Soviet-made equipment. Uh, that's an incredible tell, right there. And, and you know what? That's true. I've seen I've seen <laughs> the numbers of Western armor uh, that are just splattered all over the battlefield. You have too, right? Yes. Yeah, if, I, so. you know, if I were to get a, a minute with Joe Biden, I would tell him that, well, a lot of things I tell him, but I tell him this: you got to start some sort of peace talks in earnest. We should never negotiate out of fear, and we should never fear to negotiate. That's that's how this war will end. We get the both sides together, uh, and and maybe outside entities as well, and come to a conclusion that will be satisfactory for both. It's not going to end well for Ukraine if they keep fighting. They're going to lose hundreds of thousands of people. And that's not uh, like Trump said the other day. Hey, I want to stop the, the killing. I want to stop people being murdered and killed. That's what's happening mm -hmm. right now. Let's negotiate. What do you think, Colonel? Well, well, Doc, in, in the in the in the United States of old, when we had statesmen that that were both in and out of office, whether elected or appointed, uh, you know, Henry Kissinger's still alive. Uh, he probably is not in good enough physical health to do it. But, uh, you know, one of the things that a Bill Clinton or a Ronald Reagan or a H.W. Bush or even a George W. Bush would do right away before this happened in February 2022 in this buildup time is, is get some shuttle diplomacy going, for God's sake. You know, we had to have people on our side uh, that uh, have a relationship with uh, with uh, President Putin enough to be able to get some shuttle diplomacy going and, and get the issues out on the table to try to stop it from starting in the in the first place. I mean, but the president of the United States seemed hell-bent on, on pushing it. He said it was going to come. He made no attempt to be a statesman in the process. He made no attempt to get other countries' leaderships to be statesmen in the process. Now, there were some efforts, I think, I think the Israeli prime minister went in, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, to try to talk to Mr. Putin. But, uh, but if the president of the United States had said, called him up and said, Benjamin, uh, go talk to Vlad and see if we can work this out. I see this happening. I'm convinced he's going to invade. Uh, you know, uh, this is the wrong thing for Europe and the wrong thing for the world. Uh, but but Biden's acting like World War II never happened in the lead up to this, as if uh, as if somebody's telling him that Russia is so weak that they're a non-factor. Do you think that's accurate? It's, it's accurate, and people need to understand that we and NATO, but mostly the United States, actually instigated this war because we moved 
closer to Russia, the NATO people, we moved them closer to Russia. We told them we wouldn't do that if they took their troops out of um, East Germany. They took 40,000 troops out of East Germany, we won't move one inch. Well, we moved a thousand miles. We got closer and closer to Russia. Russia has uh, an interest in securing their borders and their national security. And, uh, you know, they keep saying that Putin is a crazy man. No, he's not. He's acting rationally. He's protecting his country from a perceived uh, entity that's, that's on the border and could hurt his national security. That's what's happening. So I don't see why, you know, he is doing anything wrong. He's protecting his country. But you said it right. We need statesmen. You know what, Colonel? There are very few statesmen or women in our government right now. There are very few. We need to have statesmen in our government, not only in, in the, uh, the government itself, but in the bureaucracies, you know, State Department, that sort of stuff. We need statesmen. We have very few today. Yeah, you know, we just uh, uh, we're coming up on the anniversary uh, anniversaries of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This Oppenheimer movie uh, is out. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I think about that often. I've met uh, Paul Tibbetts, uh, retired General Paul Tibbetts, uh, because I flew with his grandson uh, in the B one bomber, and uh, and uh, he said he never regretted. Uh, and never would regret uh, the action the actions that he was required to take. But it was because of the situation that he was put into and the world was put into by actions of the Japanese Empire uh, that led to that. Uh, and we knew uh, how bad it would really be. Uh, but the people in charge now in the West don't appear to remember World War II and how it had to end, and how it had to end when they triggered, they let this war trigger without even a thought to being statesmen. Well, uh, we've got to take our last break, and uh, we'll be right back with Dr. Randy Arrington on More War Mondays on The Rob Mana Show on RBM Network. The most dangerous network in America is what I'm being told we are now by social media. Well, that's good. We're dangerous because we bring the facts and the truth. We'll be right back. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. Concerning turn of events, Russian President Vladimir Putin warned of a potential retaliation as Ukraine received a shipment of cluster munitions from the United States. The delivery of these controversial weapons comes as the conflict between Ukraine and Russia continues to simmer. Significantly, President Putin stated that Russia possesses a sufficient stockpile of cluster munitions and will take reciprocal action if Ukraine utilizes these weapons. It is worth noting that Russia
Russia has not used cluster bombs in the ongoing war in Ukraine so far. According to Putin's remarks, Ukraine has pledged to employ them only in areas away from densely populated regions, seeking to avoid civilian casualties. The arrival of cluster munitions from U.S. provides critical ammunition for Ukraine's offensive efforts and aims to push through the Russian front lines. President Joe Biden's decision to provide this support followed months of deliberation among the U.S. leaders. Both Moscow and Kyiv have been accused of using cluster munitions despite not being signatories to the Convention on Cluster Munitions. This international treaty prohibits the production, stockpiling, use and transfer of these weapons. Cluster bombs have long been criticized due to their high dud rate, leaving behind unexploded bomblets that pose a threat to civilians long after conflicts have ended. In a separate development, an emergency situation on the Russian-built Crimean bridge resulted in traffic being halted. Reports of explosions on the bridge have emerged and two people have reportedly died due to the collapse, causing further tensions between Ukraine and Russia. Crimea, which was annexed by Russia from Ukraine in 2014, remains a disputed territory recognized internationally as part of Ukraine. The situation in the region remains highly volatile as the exchange of military support and reported incidents continue to escalate tensions between Ukraine and Russia. Welcome back to More War Mondays on the Rob Bainer Show here on RBM Network, the most dangerous network in America because we bring you the facts and the truth <clears throat> instead of forcing government propaganda down your throats. I'm talking with retired Navy commander and uh, Dr. Randy Arrington today with this update. Uh, uh, you know, it's been a while, a couple of weeks since uh, the show talked about the specifically that's dedicated the whole show to the Ukraine-Russian war. Uh, now that piece went on about the, the uh, cluster munitions quite a bit, uh, uh, but uh, showed the bridge hit that the Ukrainians were successful at. You got to give you got to give credit where credits due. The, uh, sounds like they use some type of underwater. Uh, uh, a remotely piloted or unmanned uh, underwater vehicle uh, to uh, take that uh, piece of the bridge down, but it's it was opened very 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 quickly, uh, reopened very quickly, and they continue to try to hit that target uh, uh, because they've failed in uh, getting to the Sea of Azov and cutting the land bridge off. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't see them ever getting there, quite frankly, uh, uh, unless they get help from outside. And uh, it, it, I mean, as dumb as we're behaving here in the West and NATO and the United States, uh, uh, I don't think we're that dumb, Doc. I really don't. But, you know, Doug McGregor, the colonel that was in the Trump administration, uh, uh, that is very vocal about this, he, he mentioned that, uh, you know, if Russia really uh, uh, wanted to completely take Ukraine, they would be doing things like, oh, I mean, it would be parking lots. Uh, these towns and villages would just be parking lots everywhere. Uh, you know, the uh, uh, they would have done a long time ago what they're doing to the port system in Odessa right now and continue to hit it every single day. Uh, but they have never done those things uh, in this combat. Uh, they have never done those things, uh, which, uh, you know, according to McGregor, uh, and I think I agree with him, that, I mean, the Russians have limited strategic objectives here. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I think uh, uh, they're, I think they would be ready to go to the table if we, as statesmen, arose uh, to put an end to this killing. I really do. I think you're right. I think I think Putin knows he could uh, destroy Ukraine in two or three weeks, but he also knows if he goes that route, that that would probably trigger World War III and NATO would come in, and then we'd have a big mess on our hands. But uh, you know, again, Putin is not an irrational actor. And the clip you showed earlier talking about those cl cluster munitions, we call them rock eye in the Navy, and uh, I hope that these ones that don't explode aren't going to be picked up by children or stepped on by children and then explode. Hopefully they'll just be inert and not explode. Uh, that would be a terrible tragedy. But, you know, war is war, Colonel, and you, you know better, better than I do that sometimes this stuff happens and the civilians are going to die. But again, remember, yeah. Putin is not an irrational actor, but he is aware that if he went in and just decimated 
Ukraine's cities, that that would trigger World War III. Kind of the same situation with Taipei and China. They could beat those guys in three days if they wanted to. They could just launch a nuclear missile and they could destroy Taipei. They will do yeah. that because that would trigger World War III and the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world, would come down pretty hard on China, as would happen with Russia. That's why they're engaging in sort of a limited warfare against Ukraine. They know they're going to win. Trust me, they know they're going to win. They're going to, you know, they're going to run out of munitions. Right now, we're still giving them munitions, uh, depleting our own uh, stockpiles. And just the other day, I think Biden announced another $1.3 billion, but he's buying yeah. munitions, not raiding our stockpile. He's buying munitions from the companies and having them sent over there. Now, a lot of people say, wait till the F-16s get there. That's ridiculous. Colonel, let me like me taking a couple of weeks training in a B-1 bomber and then going into combat. I wouldn't be very yeah. effective as a combat pilot in an airplane that I hadn't flown many years. Russia has some formidable surface-to-air missile systems. I mean, very formidable. Uh, you know, part of my job in the flying was defensive uh, and, uh, and running electronic uh, warfare equipment and uh, uh, understanding the tactics needed to defeat those things. And uh, uh, even their older surface-to-air missiles that we faced in Operations Allied Force, some of those were very formidable. Uh, uh, and, you, and you really have to fight hard uh, to uh, you, and use the right defensive tactics to get to your target and back home safely and successfully strike your target. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, the the Ukraine Air Force is launching British Storm Shadows, uh, which is a standoff weapon, which means you launch it from you know outside of the weapons engagement zones and missile engagement zones of these uh, formidable air defense systems. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, that's all they've got. They don't have uh, anything. And 20 F-16s uh, that you just learned to fly, uh, uh, I'm sure they'll put their MiG-29 pilots into it. The MiG-29 is, I think, is the most advanced fighter the Ukrainian Air Force has. Uh, or had I don't believe any of those. I'm not sure if any of those are flying at this point. Uh, but uh, uh, I know the Storm Shadow launchers are, I believe, SU-24s. Uh, so, uh, which are not. I mean, it's, they're old Soviet stuff. So you know, it's a, it's a. They're on thin ice. They're really on thin ice. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, I don't think NATO would go in if if Putin uh, went all in. And went all out and said, "Okay, I've had enough. Uh, too many people are dying. We're just going to obliterate this and turn it into a, uh, a parking lot. Not with nukes. He doesn't have to use nukes. Uh, you know, uh, I read a stat the other day that the Russians are firing 10,000 artillery shells to the Ukrainians, 2,000 uh, a day. You know, when you have that type of ammunition stockpile." Uh, to rely on and the numbers in person at manpower and armored vehicles and all of those things uh, that are that are at, at the same level of technology. I mean, uh, the, the Russian Armed Forces is not an antiquated military. You know, they've kept up with their armor and their aircraft and their weapons also. Uh, now, they're, they're not as slick looking as ours are. We spend a lot of money making ours look good. Uh, the Russians have never done that, but the, the, they're effective. They're effective. Obviously, they're effective uh, because, wow, I mean, with all this armor and stuff uh, and maneuver warfare training and those kind of things, the Ukrainian Armed Forces is just not able to get the job done on this counteroffensive. So uh, uh, we'll have to see, Doc, uh, uh, your thoughts on where this is going. Well, I, again, the Russians are very resilient. And it's almost like they have to lose their war before they say, that's it, we're going to win. I don't think Putin will be uh, forced to make a decision like Truman made, where he you know, launched the Nagasaki, Hiroshima um, uh, missiles, the missiles, bombs, to end the war. It saved a million lives. Right. I don't think that would get to this. But let me make a segue here real quick. Uh, I've heard through the grapevine that your show tomorrow is going to be awesome. <laughs> and it is going to be awesome. Thank you for joining me today, uh, Dr. Arrington, on More War Mondays. Uh, tomorrow, on Training Tuesday, 
Uh, look, I'm fed up with guess, the guesswork I'm having to put into what's going on with the Republican House of Representatives, and uh, 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 I'm fed up with a lot of stuff. So uh, with Dr. Arrington's help, I've, I've gotten uh, former Congressman Bob Livingston, uh, who was the first Republican elected in 102 years in the first district of Louisiana. Uh, when he won a special election, I believe, back in 1977. It's going to come talk to—he's spending the whole hour with us. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to get to ask somebody that's been the, in the upper echelons of leadership in the House of Representatives as a Republican and is still active in Washington, D.C., in that swamp and in, in state and local uh, politics in Louisiana. Uh, some really good questions and get everybody some training uh, and an insight into what's going on from somebody who's been on the inside and what we should be asking those leaders that are in those current positions to do, because I think he's got some great ideas on it. I'm Rob Manis. Until, next, until tomorrow on Training Tuesday, we're the Red Voice Media Network, the most dangerous network in America, and we're bringing you the facts and the truth. <laughs>